a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. So here we have the the promise of the virgin birth already. And and now Apparently that's what happens when Pastor Wolfner gets a hold of the, the soundboard. Hey, congratulations! Uh, what? Congratulations to Evan Gagline and our greatest sympathy sympathies to his fiance Mandy. <laughs> oh. Sympathies? What? what? <laughs> My buzzword for you is on uh, on air, which is the Greek word for husband. <laughs> this is the big announcement show. That Evan and Mandy are engaged. That's true. All the paperwork going into that is just phenomenal. We got to shut down the Who Wants to Date <laughs> radio host uh, hotline and everything else. So, but, but with that, we're opening up the the new fund, the uh, honeymoon fund. So, if you want to give to the honeymoon <laughs> that's, fund, that's right. That's, uh, the Table available. Talk Radio. <laughs> Oh man, get me out of the Pacific Northwest District for even a week yeah. fun. We're gonna do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're, we we hope to do some missionary work in Hawaii. If anybody wants to support that yeah. mission trip, <laughs> so so tell us the story. So get break us the news. Uh, what what uh, we're engaged? You're engaged. Yes. Okay. okay too. Um. What else do you want to know? Uh, I want to know. I want to know. Uh, how did you propose? Uh, oh. I mean, tell tell us everything. Boy, this you know? is sappy. Are we really going to be this uh, oh, self-referential? Yeah, yeah. On our, okay. Apparently, we're not talking about anything good today. So I'll tell you about our uh, about my engagement. Um, well, I uh, invited Mandy to go out to dinner uh, while she was still at work. I went, snuck into her house. Did I tell you this already? I'm private. You're just asking yeah. for the. Oh. Yeah, yeah, for our listener. <sighs> okay, listener. So uh, Mandy was at work. I uh, snuck into her house and I hid some flowers and all that uh, jargon in, in her house where she wouldn't find it. And then when I picked her up for dinner, we were ready to go out to a nice place. And then uh, we're you know sitting in the driveway in the car and I said, "Oh, hold on, I got to go to the bathroom." <laughs> and uh, nice, so went, the old got to sneak in to go yeah. to the bathroom trick. <laughs> so when I was in there supposedly going to the bathroom, I was pulling out all the flowers and candles. What is taking him stuff. so long? Yeah, no, I know. I was paranoid. I was like rushing around trying to do it really quick. And this is put the new new twist on. Smells like roses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then. Um, <laughs> We went out to dinner at a nice place. Uh, you might know the Jacksonville Inn in Jacksonville, Oregon. I'm not I sure. Do, yeah. yeah, so we went out to dinner there. And then after uh, after dinner, came back to the house, and uh, she came back and saw everything laid out. And, you know, I'm, it's pretty hard to top my romanticism. So, But uh, you saw it all, and she was reading a card that I had written her. And while she was reading the card, I got down on one knee behind her yeah. with ring in hand Woo-hoo! and asked her to marry me. <laughs> that is so fun. Ugh, I don't even know if we've mentioned Mandy on air, Mandy. No, you, it's been be. forbidden because um, Mandy Gagline. I didn't. I, I mean, poor Mandy. She didn't have. She, it wasn't right for her to endure the punishment of Brian Wolfmuller on Table Talk Radio. It's hard, it's hard but to. But it was a condition uh, you know, of marriage. Marry into celebrity <laughs> like this, you know. I mean, I, I wanted to protect her from the paparazzi. Is what it what it really amounted to. I heard there was a, quite a, a little bit of a snag because the church council is reviewing this because they hadn't 
approved your engagement. <laughs> but um, it's true. Uh, one of my one of my trustees at the church said that uh, this hasn't been approved by a church council yet. I told him it happened in executive session, but uh, I don't know. Uh, but what's what's even funnier than that is that that same uh, trustee uh, serves on the city council uh, here in Rogue River, and I serve on the uh, planning commission for the city of Rogue River. Go to my next uh, planning commission meeting, and he's there. And you know how they have in those public meetings, they have a, a place for public input. And he gets up and gives his name and his address to prove he's a you know resident of Rogue River. And he says he wants to uh, file a, a dissent because uh, Mandy has this wonderful last name of Mandy McCauley, and how terrible it is that she'd have to change her name to Mandy Gigline. No, no, no. <laughs> I think that's true. Now, okay, now on to the real exciting news, and it is this. Not, I mean, to, to restore the biblical understanding of the wedding feast, I have weaseled my way oh, in no. to be the DJ at the wedding. So so that's right. So well, I think I'm not... all our, li- our, our listeners are all invited, aren't they? Is this a... <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> uh... <laughs> we should do a live. Uh, how would that be? A live show of the wedding reception. <laughs> the you know, live streaming. <laughs> I asked her if we could live stream the wedding on the radio. <laughs> I think that'd be good. Um, no, it's we just we just uh, booked our our venue for the reception, and uh, it comes included security. And they <laughs> we literally give them uh, a a guest list, and you have to be on the guest list. So, at the next six months, Pastor Wolfman, you better be pretty nice to me because your name just might not make it to that guest list, and you'll be bounced. Dear listener, uh, Evan said the other day, yeah, you can be the DJ if it'll save us 500 bucks. And, uh, and I said, how do you know how much I charge? It's a new sub-vocation. I'm going to be sitting there on Evan the whole time. How do you turn this microphone on? Uh, oh, man. <laughs> I just hey, I, hey, <laughs> quit kissing and come over here and figure out how to plug the speaker in for me. I just I just feel bad that um you know you're not you're not gonna have any material for the radio now. If, if I'm married, what else do you have left? To, <laughs> oh, don't to, worry, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry there's about gonna, that. There's gonna be a a, a gap in in th- humor because I'm now wed. So. This is so. Fa- I don't have to hold back anymore. <laughs> I mean, the real danger of you sliding into some sort of depressive funk is now gone. By the way, the decision... Uh, Your wife to, will not allow you to be depressed. The, the, the decision <laughs> that you would be the DJ has just been uh, sent to a referral panel. So, um, <laughs> and, and it is no longer allowed to be discussed. So. It's, oh, that's right. It's, it's, in, it's in consultation. <laughs> No one is allowed to have an opinion on this matter whatsoever. No, that is an inside joke that does need to be explained. I'm sure we'll get to it. Go okay. Ahead. Oh, yeah. So buzz, my buzzword for you, we'll get to it. Oh, yeah. So on the show today, buzzword's email. Then we're going to do private or public. And then we're going to play Table Talk Radio Jeopardy, the marriage edition. That's the lineup. Wait, did you and say my buzzword, uh, as I said already, already? on air. I don't, that, we got to see if we get to that. Okay. On air, and that means husband. Your buzzword for me is what? Heretic. Um, a heretic is a false teacher. Hey, hey, are you allowed to say that? <laughs> now, I wonder, Pastor Wolf, what do you think about this? Is there a, is there a distinction between a, a greater and lesser heretic? I suppose. That is to say that there are heretics who deny uh, core doctrines of the Christian faith, like uh, the Trinity and, and 
uh, faith in Christ and for salvation, things like that. Uh, but then there's those who teach other things that are um, still false teachings nonetheless. But, you know, if you had someone come in saying uh, baptism is purely symbolic and that Christ isn't pre- present in the body and blood or that we can ordain women or something like that, then those would those would also be heretics in that they're false teachers, right? Yes, right. Okay. And schismatic and, and everything else. Good. Okay. Yeah. So do you have an email? email? Yeah, here's one. It is from ooh, Isaiah A. Remember how in the Old Testament there was first Isaiah, second Isaiah? <laughs> yeah. I remember that. <laughs> that was a pretty funny little higher critical riff on this person's name, Isaiah A. Dear... Purr's Gagline and Wolfmuller. After hearing my pastor's sermon yesterday on the baptism of Jesus, I was pondering something I heard before and that I had heard again in my in the sermon. My pastor used the illustration of taking a bath when you were really dirty and then the bath water being incredibly grimy and dirty afterwards. Then the pure Jesus steps in and absor- absorbs all the grime and dirt which represents our sin. Then this question was used as an uh, this was used as an analogy for what happens at Jesus' baptism. My question is, where is such a conclusion drawn textually? The conclusion makes sense. I'm not sure where it's found in the text. Thanks for maintaining the mediocrity in Christ. You're now 18 year old listener, Isaiah A. Well, thanks Isaiah for the fantastic question. Uh, God be praised that you're listening to your pastor preach, etc. I think this, I, I've used the illustration similarly, and that is that when John the Baptist is baptizing, if you picture a bunch of very dirty, grimy sheep, and he dips them in the Jordan River and lifts them out, and now they're pure and clean, and all their grime and stink and filth is on the river. Now Jesus comes down as the pure Lamb of God, and he is dipped into the river by John, and all the sin is is kind of absorbed into him. Now, the closest place to get to that in the text is where Jesus says to John, let it be so... Uh, John doesn't want to baptize Jesus, you remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should be baptized by you, etc. And Jesus says, let it be so that we will thus fulfill all righteousness or fill up all righteousness. Now, it's, it, it, it could just be that Jesus is saying, hey, everybody's supposed to be baptized, so so am I. In other words, this, is, this baptism is part of my act of obedience. But it seems like that it is this point when Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit in his baptism that he takes up the office of Messiah, and that is the office of sin-bearer. So that John will point to Jesus after his baptism and say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is a reference to the scapegoat, the uh, the doctrine of the Old Testament, where they would have on the Day of Atonement the Lamb there, and the priest would put their head hand on their head and speak the sins of the people, and off they would go. Uh, into the wilderness, carrying away the sin. Now, Jesus is now taking up that work so that he's bearing our sins. So it's a it's a theological point, um, but I think it's a helpful one. What do you say? Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Um, that uh, reminds us, I mean, this is the idea of, uh, of imputed righteousness, and in a way then that we impute our sins to Jesus, right? Um, so that he can carry into the cross. All right, uh, we need to go to a commercial break, and then we're going to come back and play a new game, which will describe uh, public or private. Sounds like a complicated game. We'll explain it when we get back on Table Talk Radio. Podcasting before it was cool. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. 
Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, unfortunately. <laughs> Pastor Wolfram there is already working on his DJ plans. Um, oh, yeah. Have you, have you ever, have you ever um, made a decision that just immediately regretted it? Like, I don't know. You're, you, don't worry. You get I'll mad use my radio and... DJ voice. You know. <laughs> Hello, all you people out there in radio land. It'd be unfortunate if we got everything to the gear and forgot a microphone. That would, that would just be too bad. <laughs> Hello, all you people. Time to get down and boogie. Oh. We're going to start this one off by playing... If you like it, then you better put a ring on it. <laughs> Topping the charts tonight. Oh, this will be so fantastic. <sighs> Nothing can possibly, possibly go wrong. Again, okay. we can't talk about this. It's in uh, the referral panel. So That has to do with the game called Private or Public. So we apparently have in the Missouri Synod a standard operating procedure, also known as the SOP, uh, which I, I don't know if I've never seen. and But the, uh, the standard operating procedure is if, if there's some sort of false teacher hanging around and you say to the church, hey, uh, we should probably not have false teachers in our midst, apparently the standard operating procedure is that there goes to a referral panel and you cannot talk about it while the referral panel is doing their work. Then the referral panel finishes their work and makes some sort of declaration about the thing, and then the standard operating procedure changes and... You still can't talk about it. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it depends. If, if, yeah, if, um, if you graduate from seminary during the days of Seminex, then you still can't talk about it. If you graduate from seminary any other time and read the bylaws correctly, then you can talk about it. It just depends. Oh, on... so this is a, <laughs> this is the, the seminary. You have bad hermeneutics <laughs> on the standard operating procedure. Oh yeah, yeah. So apparently there was this big brouhaha with an uh, with a. Uh, and we're, so we're not allowed to say that this was about Matt Becker. So oh, yeah. the standard operating procedure precludes us from identifying Matt Becker as the false teacher. So we probably, we're going to work with a pseudonym. Yeah. Uh, Bat Mecker. All right. <laughs> so Bat Mecker, yeah. Well, so so here here's the issue. So just say there was a false teacher like that in the church that taught falsely. And now you, and he becomes exonerated. And now you're apparently not allowed to say anything because of the standard operating procedure. Right, right. Well, here, here's the issue. And, it, and then this happens, um, both the issue at hand and even in, in your congregation right there in uh, Aurora, Colorado, yeah. uh, that there are things that are private and there are things that are public. Yeah. Um, so let's just draw some examples. Let's say um, there at Hope Lutheran Church, the uh, janitor gets upset, and I don't—I don't know who your janitor is, so my okay. apologies to whoever is listening. But they're probably listening right now. Yeah, they probably throw the headphones in while they're vacuuming your office or something. <laughs> but anyway, the the janitor gets upset with the organist and um, leaves a nasty note on the organ for the organist to find. Um, this is something that's in the privacy of of these two individuals. And uh, we would be admonished in Scripture to deal with this in a private way. I mean, it would not be right for you to the next divine service to stand up and say, I am now calling our janitor to repentance for uh, his or her sin uh, of the words that he said. Um, right. However, so that's a private matter. Private matters are handled privately. Uh, and then there are public matters. I feel that this is like this is a kindergarten lesson. But it's some in our important. some in our synod need to learn this. The kindergarten, we got to go back to the catechism, learn our ABCs. This is all eighth commandment stuff, right? Right. So then there's a public matter, and if there's a a public sin, it has to be approved publicly. Because let's say, for example, uh, in any, uh, um, let's let's just take a, a public sin. 
Um, and so let's say there's uh, someone filing for divorce and uh, in the church, and that's an open public sin. And so uh, then we go to um, uh, admonish the people privately, and let's say it's even resolved privately, but the divorce continues. Well, that would be, make a public confession that um, that the repentance was, has never taken place. Yes. And so where a, open, where a sin is open, it must be resolved and handled in an open way also. Now, the only question I have about this uh, thing is, does our radio show count as public or private, seeing as we have about seven listeners? Oh, it's definitely a private discourse. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. yeah. It's like publicly uh, accessible private it's, discourse. It's kind of like when you address your family in the living room. Yeah. That's kind of what Table Talk Radio is. Except for fewer people. <laughs> okay. Okay, so how this game works is we're going to describe a situation, and then you, Pastor Wolfner, have to guess uh, oh, yeah. whether this is a public matter or a private matter, and then you'll say what uh, course of action need to be taken. Okay. All right. Um, situation number one. Your brother sends you a private Facebook message telling you that he hates you. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm going to say that's private. Good. 200 points. <laughs> you are doing great at this game so far. And now i got to say how I would respond? Yeah. So I think I'd post that up on my wall and ask everyone to write hate mail to my brother. <laughs> You just lost 200 points. Back to zero. <laughs> oh, oh, right. oh, so that's a bad idea. So, okay, so it's a private matter. My brother says, hey, uh, by the way, uh, good to see you last week. Uh, how's Carrie doing? And I hate you. L- love the Gigland reception. And then I write him back and say, oh, yeah, things are well. Thanks for your note. And I uh, hate you, too. Okay, I got another one for you. Ready? Okay. Um, a DJ at a wedding <laughs> promotes what are you public about? ridicule of the groom. Uh, that would be a, that's kind of a gray area for me. <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> what, I, what I need to really get my head around that one is to see it happen. And then I'll, I'll I think I'll know better how to respond to it pastorally. Okay, I'll give you I'll give you a different one since that one hits too close to home. Um, how about uh, someone someone as a member of a Lutheran church writes in the newspaper uh, about how um, evolution um, is a compatible teaching with the Holy Scriptures? Yeah, that would be uh, public. In fact, the newspaper is uh, public discourse. As a po- I, as you know, and we're goofing around, but so is a, you know a blog post or a. Uh, a podcast or anything that's publicly accessible. That's this is all the the place of public discourse. So for someone uh, to publish something like that, anybody to publish it makes it a public matter. Now it's especially when someone has the office of teacher, so they're ordained or called into the office, or they uh, you know bear the name of pastor, etc. That that that. In fact, everything they uh, they say ought to be understood as a, a public teaching and therefore open to public rebuke, and especially when it's published abroad, thusly. Uh-huh. So, so you can't you can't bear an office as teacher or pastor in the church, and then to say, now I'm just going, I'm, I'm setting aside my office of pastor, and now I'm going to teach things that uh, aren't um, consistent with my ordination vows. <laughs> That's right. Now, okay. this doesn't mean I don't think this means that. 
you know, if a pastor is struggling with a, with a particular doctrine, like, uh, you know, so here's the Lutheran pastor, and they're struggling with understanding Revelation 20 and the millennium or something like that. And they're like, man, it looks to me like this is a literal millennium. And they, and so they're they're wrestling around with the text and wrestling around with the doctrine, and they're talking to their pastors and to people that they trust and this sort of thing. Um, you know, th- this is maybe a little bit different if you if you start writing your kind of concluded t- false doctrines in in the newspaper, uh, then that is bringing it into a completely different realm of conversation. But if if you are struggling with the understanding of a text, I don't think you'd probably be doing it um, in a in a public way. I mean, I I suppose no, right. I suppose you in should. a circle of of scholars, but. But uh, but to uh, you know put it in the newspaper, you, you wouldn't say, "I'm wondering about this text." Yeah. I, I wonder about if, well, you cer- uh, see, if the you Trinity is true. You certainly wouldn't put it into the public discourse, um, uh, as an assertion. So you know, if you if, say there's a Lutheran pastor, I mean, just takes. I mean, some of these. So there's a Lutheran pastor, and he's struggling with the idea of um, women's suffrage in the church, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or should women be voting in the church, this sort of thing. And he said, I'm, I'm working through this. Here's my two texts that I'm trying to understand. Anybody got any particular insights? Sure. So, you, sure. you know, you put it out there for conversation. But it is quite another thing to come along and say, uh, you know, this thing that we've thought, that we've said in the church, uh, is wrong, and I'm going to tell you all why. I mean, that, but look, you can do that, but as soon as you do that, you have to expect public scrutiny, and in fact, you have to expect public rebuke. Yeah, That's what that kind of thing calls for. So if I, if I, as a Lutheran pastor, say something stupid, like, uh, it's just some sort of false doctrine sort of thing, like the Bible was not written by, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but inspired by space aliens, then can you imagine I say something like that knowing full well that everybody in the world disagrees with me? And now I and then I say, but you, look, you can't disagree with me. You can't say I'm wrong. You can't uh, punish me. You can't discipline me. How rude of you to do that. No, that's what you you expect that very thing as soon as the conversation becomes public. Right. And and, and uh, that that's the, the, the point then of calling someone to repentance. So if you promoted that and I say, uh, Brian, this is this isn't what the scriptures themselves teach us this isn't what the lord has given us repent um then that's the very thing that we do to one another is to call each other to repentance and if one then refuses that repentance um then you're holding to that position you're saying no i believe this to be true um and so if that is your confession then you have to um say that i'm not one in faith with you that's right that's right we got more on this after the break all right we'll be right back after this Because some people have a high pain tolerance. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Hey, 
Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. I think you had another point there. On uh... So here's the, here's the point, maybe the simple point, is that if I am going to teach something that is d- different than what my church teaches, um, in other words, I'm going to say, hey, I disagree with you, then I probably should be ready for the person to say back, well, I disagree with you too. <laughs> no. But, but we're in this weird kind of twilight zone theological bylaw standard operating procedure something where someone says i disagree with you and you and you go to say well i disagree with you too and someone says can't say that (laughs) why is the first person to punch exonerated while the person to punch back is is now is somehow illegal or something it's like it doesn't even – it makes no sense at all. Look, at if I'm a public teacher and I disagree with the Missouri Synod's doctrine of something, just pick it, whatever it is. If I stand up and say, hey, Missouri Synod is wrong about this thing, then I hope for the people to come and fight me. That's what I'm asking for. That's why I'm doing the thing that I'm doing. Well, And, more... and, then, and here, here I am trying to start a fight with everyone, and then all the kind of measly mouth elected officials come around and say you can't fight you know who i think the person probably who's the most upset about not being able to fight is said heretic Matthew mecker or whatever <laughs> you're calling that. he's asking for a fight he wants it and the guy said no 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 everybody calm down no fighting around here you can't even talk you can't even talk about it well and then like, mo- that's the more craziest pe- thing that all the church does is talk that's all the church can do in the world is talk and you say, now you can't? There's things that you can't say that you can't talk about? <laughs> this is like the thought police? Some sort of fascist regime? regime? And who are these guys? Am I, is, is like the Missouri Senate, like stormtroopers, going to come and storm in here and take away the microphone? You violated the standard operating whatever? This is, it's, it's, it's an absolute absurdity. It's like... It's it's like when you're in a dream and everyone is just moving slow and walking funny and you're like just it doesn't seem right around here. This is the same thing. I mean, it. it, it do you just see? I mean, uh, I disagree with your doctrine, and then you say, "Oh, uh, you disagree with my doctrine." Quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, more to the the point of this game too. If the if oh, yeah. if someone dissents publicly. And then you say, well, you can't rebuke him publicly. You need to go talk to him. Well, why? <laughs> the public, the heretic has uh, released his teachings in a public fashion, so it makes sense that we make a public confession back. And if we don't, if we only address the heretic on a, in a private way when he has released his teachings in a public way, we are, in a sense, showing that we approve of that false yes, teaching. Yes, I know it. I know it. Look, I mean, it's probably part part one of the standard operating procedure is don't be a heretic. That should probably take care of it. <laughs> but then, to make it all fair, it should be like this. Look, if you're going to teach false doctrine, you have to teach it only privately and face-to-face to the people that you disagree with. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so if someone, if, if there's a, a, for example, a person who believes in evolution, let's just take the evolution example. If he thinks that evolution is the biblical truth, then he is required to go face-to-face to every person he disagrees with who's teaching publicly the doctrine of creation. 
<laughs> and if he goes publicly and says evolution is true, therefore rebuking everyone who teaches the doctrine of creation, then that should be censured. But why? I mean, you, you know, it's a trick when you're playing football. This is the trick, is that if you punch first, you don't get flagged. Because the officials don't see it. They right. always see the guy that retaliates. Mm -hmm. And that's the same trick here. I'm just going to be the first false teacher to say something, and then I get defended? I mean, it's, it's insane. Well, it is insane. This is the question I'm asked a lot, and I don't know the answer, and I wonder if you have an idea. The question I'm asked a lot is why don't uh, liberals in the Missouri Synod who promote women's ordination, homosexuality, uh, evolution, things like that, why don't they go join the Lutheran church body that already teaches those things? Like it's yeah, not it's not you, like I'll tell you why. Yeah. I know why. Is you're not a you're not a hero or a martyr over there. You're just <laughs> normal. Right, yeah. So there's something about this desire to be um <laughs> persecuted by those who are trying to uh, defend the, the scriptures. And there's but there's two and there's two things to that too. So number one is if I stand in a church body and teach contrary to what it teaches about women's ordination and evolution and whatever. Then I I um I have got two things going on. I'm one. I'm trying to change the uh, church body itself. I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to change the doctrine and the public confession of this church. I'm trying to manipulate the church. Now that is an aggressive act of intolerance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just why, I don't know why we can't see that. It's just it's like um uh, but but it's the same kind of it has the same kind of psychological effect. Of the woman who is stays married to the man who is uh, who is not helpful to her, but has the whole idea of I'm going to change her. You know mm. this whole savior mm -hmm. complex. Just leave for heaven's sakes if you think that's how it is. Mm -hmm. Now the the other point though is that there's history here. So this doctrine of the acceptance of evolution, the idea of errors in the scripture, the support of women's ordination, the more tolerant Missouri Synod kind of thing, was tried back in the 70s in Seminex, and most of the people were removed. Now, if you happen to be the, a person who inherited that whole struggle, then your remaining in the Synod becomes, in, in a way, a validation of that doctrine. You see what I mean? It, in other words, uh, if Becker mm -hmm. stays in the Missouri Synod, then, then oh, the did you mean Mecker? I bet you meant that's Mecker. what I meant to say. <laughs> if he stays in the synod, then the uh, theology of Seminex is somehow um, uh, uh, it's it's not it's unrepudiated. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah. It's like the Philistines remaining in the land after the purge <laughs> of the Promised Land. Right. right. So uh, so so there is a, a more of a dog in the fight um, uh, for them to 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 just stay on. The raw stay in the Senate because it means that all the jerks that kicked out the liberals at Seminex were um, weren't a hundred percent right or something. Okay, so I got one more round of uh, public or private. How Are many you ready? Points do I have? Loads of points. You still at zero. I've, I've got a feeling that this um that this episode is going to end up on uh, Brothers of John the Steadfast. Just just saying so. I should probably by not you be... saying that is a self fulfilling prophecy. This, we probably um. The last time we ended up a posted on Brothers of John the Steadfast, we had seminary professors mocking our journalistic integrity. <laughs> so we should report which, which is that we are the excellence in we are the excellence in Christian journalism. CIA, yeah, the EICJ network. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so um, 
here, here's the, the the last and final round for you in public I got the door or private. locked because of the stormtroopers. <laughs> okay. Let's say any given district of the Missouri Synod. Let, let's just pick one. Um, the mm, Northwest District of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. There's um, not even a, is that a real thing? I don't know. This just made it up. Um, I'm just Atlantic I'm just pulling Northwest. out. I'm just pulling out names. Um, uh, but a district, um, through by following procedures and bylaws, has chosen not to take action against a false teacher who promotes women's ordination and homosexuality. Would that be a public matter or a private matter? That would probably be a pro- uh, public matter, I would say. Okay. And so how should that be addressed as it being a public matter? If I were you, I'd write an open letter. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's just a suggestion. And I'd try to get guys to sign it. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the stormtrooper. Everyone's worried about the stormtroopers. I know. Who are these like, guys? Oh, no. It's going to get guys, buried we, in bylaws. Guys, we can't address this in an open letter. We have to We have to deal with it privately. <laughs> what are you I would about? require, this is the new standard operating procedure that I am going to insist on, and that is anyone teaching falsely has to go face-to-face with every Orthodox pastor that they disagree with that's publicly teaching something that they disagree with first before they publish their nonsense. I think that's fantastic. I, I also think that we should listen to the scriptures just half as much as we listen to the bylaws and the operating <laughs> procedures. I was sitting with a guy, Baptist guy, at the airport the other day, coming back from the ACELC and uh, conference, and the and the guy says, um, he says, yeah, what do you guys, what do you Lutherans think about beer? And my response to him was, we think that God has given us enough to do with the Ten Commandments that we don't need to make new laws. <laughs> this is my same exact. That is my standard operating procedure. Towards standard operating <laughs> procedures. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I mean, what the, this whole thing is a joke. I mean, can, can we can get serious? You, uh, what is his name again? Um, Matthew Mecker. He he wants a theological fight. For heaven's sakes, let him have it. All of you district presidents and who are sitting there defending him. I mean. The, the poor guy, he's like a he's like a caged up pit bull. He's going to turn on himself if you don't let him out. <laughs> For heaven's sakes, have some sympathy on the guy and let him be the false teacher that he wants to be. <laughs> but I think then we need to in turn treat him like the false teacher that he is. Well, I know. This <laughs> <laughs> whole thing is nuts. All right, let's take a quick break, and then what's coming up next, Pastor Wolf Miller? Uh, we're going to play, oh yeah, Table Talk Jeopardy, marriages, famous marriages in the Bible. Ooh, all right. Uh, stay tuned. you to get some m- ideas for the reception. <laughs> you don't want to miss out on that. We'll be right back. You're listening to the one, the only, excellence in Christian journalism, Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio. We love our on-demand listener. Love and marriage, love and marriage. Go together like a horse and carriage. This I tell you, brother, you can't have one without the other. Is that one in your lineup for the 
the wedding reception? <laughs> no. What are some of the tho- songs that's uh, in, in your little? You're telling me you're you, even even before I told you I was engaged, you're already planning this. Oh yeah, I have a I have a Spotify station established already called If Brian Wolfmuller Were the Pastor of Your Wedding. It's public. I think all our DJing? listeners could. Yeah. What did I say? Pastor. Pastor. Yeah, I'm a DJ. Same thing. That's why nobody's asking you to officiate their wedding. This guy's gonna play this music during the ceremony. It's like, let's this get this wedding ridiculous. service over. We gotta get to the. <laughs> I got um. What is my favorite one? Is uh, I'm gonna play that Selena Gomez song so we can dance Bollywood style. Oh. Hey, how does that one go? Can't remember exactly, but I'm sure it was. I'll be rolling the hits. Anyway. <laughs> The way this game works is I'm going to describe a few details about a wedding in the Bible, and you got to guess that couple. Okay. This ought to be fun. All right. Um, let's see. Let's start here. Uh, this marriage happened to a young Moabite woman who married her stepmother's uncle on returning to Israel after oh. the famine. Oh, I know this. <laughs> um, uh, trying to try they, to stall. they met on the threshing floor, uh, but the uh, but the groom had to make sure that he was in fact the closest kinsman redeemer, and had to go and talk to a relative of his the next day to secure the marriage. I um... this couple would have the very famous great grandson, King David. <laughs> Ruth. <laughs> Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, except for you got to ask it in the form of a question. What? Oh, my Jeopardy. You're We're kidding playing me. Jeopardy. We're playing Jeopardy. Who said? I never even named a category. Well, yeah, it's, you only have one category. <laughs> Marriage is in the Bible. That was for one hundred. So you are now at negative one hundred. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Now that's a that's a uh, beautiful wedding, you know, because you read the time of judges. You're like, boy, what a disaster, you know. I mean, one guy, a, visit, a guy comes to town and visits, and and the, all the men come to try to 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 uh, abuse him, and uh, they the guy his daughters are taken out and abused all night by the men of the city, and they come, she's dead in the morning, and he cuts her in twelve parts, and I mean, the, the, the judges is just this kind of nasty time, but then you get a picture of the of of actually this little. A space of trying to keep the Lord's commandments and follow His orders, and that is uh, Ruth and Boaz and Naomi and the whole story. It's quite beautiful. <clears throat> All right, now who who DJed their wedding? Is it is it? <laughs> oh, Naomi did. She did the whole arranging and everything. <laughs> oh. uh, Naomi, no doubt, was the DJ at the wedding there. <laughs> Uh, is it against? I mean, is it per- permitted by the standard operating procedures for you to DJ a wedding? We need to look into that. Where's Where's the referral panel? Referral Jeopardy panel. for you are not allowed to talk about it. Remember? Oh, sorry. The uh, marriages, biblical, famous biblical marriages for two hundred. Here is your clue. Uh, this groom found his bride by falling asleep. <laughs> That's such a good clue. It's like a riddle. I just thought of it just now. When he woke up and found his bride, he also had a pain in his side. Oh. <laughs> uh, let's see. What was his name? Steve. Or, um, who is Adam? 
You got it. Adam and Eve, the very first wedding. Before the fall into sin, God institutes the gift of marriage by putting Adam and Eve uh, together. One flesh. (laughs) Now, how about this? I've always thought this curious about the text. God says to Adam and Eve, he says, Therefore, uh, man shall leave his mother and his father and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The words of institution of marriage, beautiful words. I mean, so profound in so many ways. But this curious thing is that there was no such thing as uh, father and mother yet. When God said, leave your father and mother. Adam and Eve must have said, father and mother, what's that? You see what I'm saying? (laughs) There were no children. Now, I I take that to at least mean, I mean, there's a mystery there, but to at least mean that the gift of marriage is also the gift of family, that to be a husband is to be a father, to be a wife is to be a mother, even if the children haven't arrived yet. So. Right, so he he was speaking um, to Adam, the father, and Eve, the mother, of the children they would they would have. Uh, right. Hmm. All right, I'm going to give you 200 points for that. Woot, woot. Okay, here's one I'm going to make up right now. All right. This biblical marriage was about to go bad when the wine rain ran out until Mary found Jesus and he did something about it. Hmm. You see my radio voice there? <laughs> Practicing. That's a foreshadow of things to come if you Indeed come to the wedding reception. If you're uh, if you're on the guest list that is um I think this happens somewhere in Cana. So I'm going to say, <laughs> I mean, I don't know who's getting married here, but what is the wedding at Cana? Indeed, for 300 points, bing, 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 where Jesus did his first. It's a, this, is a, this is another theologically significant point that Jesus chooses to do his very first miracle at a wedding. That is fantastic. Now, from this, we learned that the church is supposed to provide the drinks at the wedding reception. Is that correct? <laughs> That's so sure. That's like the number one takeaway. <laughs> it is fascinating, though, because uh, Mary comes to Jesus and he says, my time has not yet come. But what does he do? He goes and performs a miracle anyway. <laughs> yeah. And well, did, yeah, Mary says, do whatever he says. Yeah, and those are the last recorded words of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, she, listen to Jesus. But one of the things I've always uh, talked about on this text is that, you know, I mean, so so we we rightly understand the wedding at Cana as Jesus' first miracle. So, um, you know, other other than the uh, the virgin birth, uh, Jesus doesn't exercise his divine nature um, until this moment. Otherwise, he's walking around as a normal Jewish kid and, and this kind of a thing. So once once the cat is out of the bag, so to speak, that he has um, uh, this divine nature, he, that he is God in human flesh, performs miracles, once that happens, uh, he's already on his way to the cross. I mean, that's like starting the timer. <laughs> and because uh, it's the miracles that get get the Pharisees so upset with Jesus and end up uh, calling him a blasphemer and sending him to the cross. So, yeah. so I mean, this is so fascinating that here Jesus is honoring the estate of marriage at a wedding banquet, and he uh, simply wants the, the the party to continue, to the, the celebration of marriage to continue, and he's willing to s- kind of start that timer, start the trek to the cross, just for the purpose of us having uh, a celebration of, of marriage. That is nice. I'm going to preach that at your reception. <laughs> All right. Last one. Ready? How many points do I have? Oh, yeah, you have 400 points so far. Right, we have two minutes here. This is biblical marriages for 400. Ooh, I got another riddle I just thought of. Uh, and it goes like this. 
Some people might have lamb as the main dish at their wedding feast, but that is not what is this biblical marriage is talking about. What is the everlasting marriage banquet? <laughs> yes, the marriage feast of the lamb. <laughs> you got it. Ding, ding, ding. Boy, I'm How about this that? Game. So, so great does the Lord consider marriage that when he, wanna, when he wants to picture the everlasting joy of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting and our p- complete communion with Christ set free from all sin and death, that he gives us the picture of a marriage feast. That's phenomenal. A mar- Heaven is like a one big marriage reception. Nice. I always think of this hymn that we sing uh, at the Lamb's High Feast we sing. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, Praise we him whose love divine gives his sacred blood for wine, gives his body for the feast, Christ the victim, Christ the priest. And um, and so here he is offering himself uh, as the in in the Lord's Supper, the the his own blood for the wine and and his own body for the bread or the feast. Yeah. And uh, this is a this is an ancient hymn. I don't have my hymnal in front of here, but this this one goes oh seventeenth century. Yeah, not, this not is, that old. <laughs> this is yeah, that's uh, kind of that's contemporary. I thought it was an older hymn. Uh, it sounds old. <laughs> Now this this is exactly right. So Christ makes himself one with us, which is why he calls himself the groom and the church the bride. And he says, like in Ephesians five, when Paul's talking about Christ and the church, I tell you great mystery. I speak of Christ. I'm not talking about husband and wife. I'm talking about Christ and the church. And he says, who sanctified her and washed her with the washing of water by the word, that she might be pure and spotless, that he might present her to himself without blemish. And this is how we stand before the Lord as a beautiful ordained bride cleansed by his blood and made holy so that we can spend eternity in the joy of his face. That's all the time we have. If you disagree with anything you heard, be sure to contact us individually. We'll be right back. <laughs> Errol, thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are, well, we can't talk about thanks it. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. We're still Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations. Uh, any public dissent of this show will be to be handled through this resolution. Sleep pain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your back claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.